Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jimmy. And we're the Talk to the Hand podcast. Hello, Beth. Hello, Jimmy. Are you good? I'm good, I'm good. Are you happy now the decorations are down? I sh- no, I should ask you, are you happy? I am. All packed away, you've done your job putting them back up in the loft, only for them to come back again. <laughs> yeah, earlier and earlier every year. <laughs> so we've got a really good episode today to cover, following uh, last week's Gladiators Bumper yeah, Special. Yeah, was good, We've it? had some great feedback about that, haven't we? We have, we have. Yeah. Our listeners have really enjoyed that. Yeah, rolled back the years, and I think it was really interesting to find out what's happened with a lot of those characters who've gone on to have mixed fortunes, it's mm. fair to say. Mm, yeah, definitely. Some you would expect to be quite successful, actually... You know, they didn't really have much going on since Gladiators. Absolutely. And the, the guy we're talking about today, again, it's a lot of mixed fortunes in his life, but thankfully it all turned out very well in the end. So the person we're covering is... Mike Reed, a.k.a. Frank Butcher. Pat, 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 pat. <laughs> Fascinating life. When we did the research for this, I could not believe some of the stuff that he'd got up to in his pre-fame life. Mm, yeah, it was extraordinary. We're going to cover that episode now. We really hope you're going to enjoy it with us. But for now... Let's rewind to the 90s. Michael Reed was born in Hackney in 1940, the son of Ellen Luvian and Sidney Reed. The Blitz caused his family to move to Tottenham, where he attended Rowland Hill School. He had jobs as a lorry driver and a coal man before joining the Merchant Navy as a steward, and he also did a number of labouring jobs. He also moved into the North London underworld of the 1950s and 60s. And it was that period of his life, Beth, that I found most interesting, probably because it was the part I was most unaware of. Yes, definitely. The same for me as well. When you think of the London underworld of the 1950s and 60s, you think the Quay Twins. Oh, he did come across those. Yes, yes. He was having a drink one Saturday when the pub he was in suddenly filled up with Welsh supporters down to support their team at an Arsenal match. A fight erupted and one Welsh man called Reed a cockney prick. Reed swung for him and knocked him down, prompting the rest of the fans to rush at him. He made a run for it as the baying mob chased after him. He tripped and fell to the ground and they attacked him. See, that's horrible. And how old would he have been here? He would have been in his late teens at this stage. Yeah. Out of nowhere, Frankie Donovan, a tough local with a big reputation, turned up. He began swinging a bike chain at the attacking mob. He helped Reed up and the pair ran off together laughing through the blood. And Frankie was more than just a tough nut. He ran a gang and now Mike Reed was part of that firm. Reed owned a lorry which he'd used to deliver coal and pick up scrap metal and Frankie could see the benefit of having a lorry owner in the firm. In what became a, a very profitable venture they began stealing scaffold poles and selling them for scrap. Entrepreneurial one would say maybe? Yes, it was entrepreneurial. And as we saw as we went through the research, there were a number of different ventures they embarked upon. (laughs) They did branch out. Now, they'd heard that there were thousands of tonnes of rails being stored in a nearby railway siding. Five of the firm, including Mike Reed, went there to steal a load of the rails. They cut them up and sold them for scrap before planning to go back for more. However, when they did go back, they were caught in the act and Mike Reed was fined £100, which at that time must have been a small Um, fortune. Yeah, yeah. So Frankie paid the fine for Mike Reed as he was making a lot more out of these jobs and the benefits of Mike Reed having a lorry outweighed the cost of the £100 fine. Yes. It led Reed and the firm to change tack. Rather than the theft of metal, they started to hijack lorries. 
They would get information that a load would be parked in a certain place. Then they would persuade the driver to give up his keys in return for a reward. The contents of the lorry would then be loaded into Reed's lorry and they would cause some damage to the hijacked lorry to make it look like the driver wasn't complicit. And that's really interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes in those situations, the guy will get them to give him a black eye to make mm, it look like mm. there was some kind of struggle. So there were lots of jobs that Reed was involved in. Donovan's firm had planned to steal a lorry load of tea, but it had all gone missing prior to the job. Now, Frankie's firm, that Mike Reed was part of, learned that the firm of Derek Smalls had caused the problem. Small actually went on to become Britain's first ever supergrass. At the time, he was running a, another firm in the area. Reed was in the group that had gone round to teach Smalls and his firm a lesson. As they got there, they were met by bullets flying right past them. And one of Mike Reed's group was shot in the calf. Painful. I don't imagine it's unpainful no. being shot anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they got out of there but wouldn't let it lie. They caught wind that Smalls was in local pubs, so they went round there. But he was with 20 of his own firm, leaving Reed and his cronies outnumbered. Reed took a paste in, including being hit over the head with a bottle. Mike Reed also rubbed shoulders with the craze. He was in a pub in Finsbury Park one night and Reg and Ronnie were sat in the corner. Reggie raised his hand and Ronnie just stared. A small group burst into the pub and began attacking the twins and Mike Reed jumped in to help them out. Reg bought him a drink after the group had been sent on their way as a, a bit of a thank you for, for jumping in. Mm. I wonder if Mike Reed at the time knew that it was Ronnie and Reg. He, he knew it was Ronnie and Reg that were sitting there. Yeah. But I'm not sure at that stage they they didn't have the folklore that they went on to have. Have afterwards, no. Because I was going to say, fair play for Reed for jumping in to save them. I wouldn't He's say he the... saved them. No, I, just I helped. He helped. It was just yeah. another pair of hands in the scrap. But, you know, Ronnie and Reggie were both boxers. They, they could look after themselves. But I suppose if a group came in and attacked them, you could do with a couple of people helping you out. Yeah. Amidst all this drama, Reed married his first wife, Sheila, by whom he had a daughter called Jane. Reed and Sheila would go on to divorce in 1971. But back to his life of crime, Beth. <laughs> as well as robbing jewellery shops, Reed had a liking for stealing cars. However, it was a bike that caused him the most problem. He used to do a bit of car minding outside White Hart Lane, which was Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. He was admiring a motorbike and took it for a ride with the intention of bringing it back before the end of the match. In his mind, no harm done. Well, that may have been the case had the owner not left the match early. Oh, that is... <laughs> would you believe your luck? Yeah. When Reed got back with the bike, he saw the owner and a group of police officers heading towards him. He was arrested and ended up in Brixton Prison. For that? Brixton Prison for that? I was surprised. He might be on remand, but obviously he's already been caught a couple of times. Yeah, that is true. And he would have been known to have gang associations. Yes, yeah. So in court, it took quite a while as the sergeant read out Reed's previous convictions. In fact, it was taking so long that the judge stopped him prematurely. The judge turned to Mike Reed and said, Mr. Reed, you're obviously a pest. I'm going to send you away for a few months to straighten you out. Reed's then girlfriend, who he went on to marry, had come with a surprise. She put a pillow up her dress to appear to be pregnant. She pleaded with the magistrate, who decided to give Reed one last chance and a £20 fine. She's a legend. <laughs> Seriously, that is so old school East End. I, I, that's what I was just about to say. So typical of the women back in that, the, mm, the days. The resourcefulness. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we'd actually met Shirley in an unusual situation. So while Reed was still in the gang, they had a wiring specialist called Lenny Hornby and he was arrested for robbery. Someone had informed on him and it was said that it was the wife of a minor villain, Jimmy Collins, with whom she had a child. 
They heard that she was at a pub, so the group led by Frankie Donovan burst in and gave her a mouthful. She denied any knowledge of informing and told Frankie, I'm not frightened of you, you fat prick, before spitting in his face. He grabbed a glass and was about to hit her with it, but Mike Reed stopped him, and now believing her story, the group left. A few weeks later, Reed saw her in a cafe and made a move, but was told in no uncertain terms to stop. As time went on, she made her peace with Frankie, and he actually helped her out when he warned off her husband, Jimmy, who regularly beat her. So Jimmy left her, and Frankie used to keep an eye out for her in case of incriminations. One day, Mike Reed went to hers looking for Frankie, and one thing led to another. At the age of 21, Mike Reed met Shirley, four years his senior, and knew he had found the woman he wanted to spend the rest of his life with. Oh, that's nice. It is. It's, it is. It? She's, he sort of saved her. Well, he was obviously quite a character, and it certainly sounds like she's no, she's got no shortage no. of character. Yeah. So not just the judge with the pillow up the top, but a bit of a local villain who runs a bit of a firm, mm. goes in and gives her a mouthful of abuse, and she tells him she's not scared of him in no uncertain terms, yeah. and uh, spits in his face. So Reed's first work in entertainment was as a stand-up comedian in clubs and aboard cruise liners in the early 1960s. He then became an extra playing uncredited roles in television series such as Doctor Who and he also became a stuntman. He was actually fired from working as Roger Moore's underwater stunt double in The Saint after drawing attention to Moore's thinning hair. Other films in which he did stunts include Casino Royale, Spartacus, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and The Dirty Dozen. What stunts were there in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Good question. Maybe in the car, I don't know. Yeah, I can't imagine it was the most risky of the roles he played. In 1971, he married his long-term living partner, the fabulous Shirley, and they went on to have twin sons, Mark and Michael. Subsequently, he emerged as one of the inaugural personalities on The Comedians, a widely watched TV series from the 1970s created by Johnny Hamp for Granada Television, uh, based in Manchester. This show exclusively featured brief segments of seasoned comedians. Reed being the sole comedian hailing from London amidst a roster primarily composed of Northern English and Northern Irish comedians distinguished himself. He would have stuck out like a sore thumb, wouldn't he? He stuck out, but he, was, he did have great presence on stage, didn't he? Yes, he did, he did. And he was recognised for his popular catchphrase such as Triffic, turn it in and move your arrows. Leveraging his early achievements, he seized the opportunity to create a singular hit record a whimsical rendition of The Ugly Duckling. By 1975, this novelty song had soared to 10th position in the UK singles chart. Concurrently in the same year, he took on the role as host for ITV Children's TV quiz show, Runaround, a position he maintained until the show's conclusion in 1981. So you didn't know that on top of his criminal life and his (laughs) his comedy, and of course we'll talk later about his, his time in the soaps, he also had a top 10 hit record. Yes. He did. In 1987, he became a cast member of the widely acclaimed BBC television soap opera EastEnders, embodying the character Frank Butcher. Pat, 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 yeah. pat, pat. And that's what we know him most famous for, isn't it, Frank Butcher? And why we thought about him for our podcast. Absolutely. Because obviously the era. So Frank Butcher, a role that garnered substantial popularity over the years. Reed had finally began to achieve the fame and financial stability he had struggled to attain in previous years. He said, I didn't get there until I was in my 40s and it was a godsend. It gave me another string to my bow, gave me notoriety. I wasn't just Mike Reed the comedian, it didn't take long. Three or four years later, I was known as Frank. And that is absolutely yeah. right. I remember knowing him as Frank before I knew him as Mike Reed. Mm. But it's really, really interesting that although he'd had this extensive career in comedy, he'd been on television, 
He never actually felt financially secure. No. And I guess that's just the nature of these kind of short-term jobs where you, you go for a night or you go for a, a, a few days, but you're not earning huge money consistently. Can, no, and no. And when you join the soap, you, you, yes, you, know, you become yeah. salaried. Yeah. Initially introduced as a semi-regular character in September of that year, his widespread appeal led to his transition into a full-time cast member in 1988. His character, who assumed the role of the Queen Vic pub's landlord, purchasing it from Den Watts that same year, established Reed as a fixture in the series. Portraying the character of Butcher, Reed cultivated a public persona of pessimism, a trait he relished subverting, evident in his performances in television adverts for the soft drink Oasis. Throughout his tenure on EastEnders, Butcher was central to numerous compelling storylines, including his character's tumultuous relationship with Pat Wicks and his brief marriage to Peggy Mitchell. Do you remember that? Mm, yeah, I do. And wasn't she, she was running the pub at that point as well, Peggy wasn't she? Peggy was so running the that. pub, yeah, yeah. But it was Pat and Peggy never got on, and that was really because of Frank until near the end, and then they were quite good friends. And I, I remember at one time, Frank was like a happy-go-lucky second-hand car salesman type character on the show. Yeah, he yeah. He did run the car lot for a while. Yeah, yeah. But I remember there was a particular point where he fell out with Phil Mitchell mm. and suddenly he turns to challenging him from a, a kind of villain perspective. Yeah, yeah. And at the time I was quite young and remember thinking... It's not believable. It's not believable. Yeah, but yeah. actually he had more credibility doing it yeah, than Phil Mitchell yeah, had. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. In 1990, Reed faced a tragic turn of events. His son Mark accidentally shot and killed his best friend Ian while the two were playing with Mike's shotguns. Mark never seemed to recover from the guilt, and in 1990, aged 24 years old, after an argument with his girlfriend, the mother of his children, he doused himself in lighter fuel and set himself alight in his back garden. Oh, that's sad story. That is tragic. So that's his, that's Mike Reed's son. Yeah, there. one of the twins, yeah. That's and so sad. What, what made it even sadder? was just four months later, tragedy struck again when Mark's five-month-old daughter, Kirsty Ann, died of cot death. Um, so he'd so lost his son, son and, and also the child of his son within his five months. Yeah, it's that particular granddaughter, the granddaughter yeah, of the son he'd lost, yeah. which I think is, oh, that is That's terrible. so sad, so sad. And you don't remember that being publicised at the time or anything? You I don't, don't know. But again, we would have been yeah. 12, something mm. like that at the time. It's, it's not something you're particularly you exposed to. No, no. So Reed coped with this devastating loss by immersing himself into his work. However, in reflecting on the years that followed, he revealed people must see me on TV or cabaret laughing, singing, cracking gags and imagine that time has healed the pain and the scars. If only they knew. My son is locked away inside, not forgotten, just hidden away in that part where we keep our private grief. Otherwise, it couldn't function. So he was carrying that yeah. with him all the time. Yeah. Which, of course, you would do. You would do with grief. In April 1994, as Frank Butcher stood as one of the most beloved characters on British television, Reed took an extended hiatus from EastEnders, citing stress from acting out a depression storyline. Later that year, he starred alongside fellow EastEnders actors Barbara Windsor and John Altman in the adult pantomime Pussy in Boots, a spin-off. If you remember when we talked about Lynn Perry, yeah, she featured yeah. in that as well she as Poison Ivy, didn't, didn't, she? didn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, she did. What was interesting is he'd obviously played the role of Frank Budger with depression, and that actually sent him quite depressed. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're if you you immerse yourself into your acting in that character you're portraying him as depressed, maybe it's opening up his feelings that he's got of his grief that he's going through. 
So he returned to EastEnders on Christmas Day 1995. And I should have probably checked this, but I remember, I think it was at the end of the programme, mm. he turned up at Pat's door. Hello, with a, Pat. With a bow tie. Bow tie. Yeah, is that the one? But then nothing else. Nothing yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he originally reprised the role as a recurring character, later returning as a full-time cast member in 1998. Over the next two years, his character played a pivotal role in major storylines. In early 2000, reports surfaced about Reed's heart problems and in May 2000, he announced his permanent departure from the soap due to exhaustion from demanding film schedules. He extended his stay for five more months to give his character a dramatic exit, which aired on the 2nd of November 2000, revealing his departure after an affair with ex-wife Pat Evans was discovered by his current wife, Peggy Mitchell. In the year 2000, Reed also featured in the popular British gangster film Snatch, portraying crooked diamond trader Doug, the head Denovitz. Subsequently, he appeared in several low-budget British films, including Hey Mr. GJ and Masaka and Chips, as well as Spanish film titled Oh Ma Bella in 2003. He's made that sound Italian. Oh Ma Bella. <laughs> Reed made intermittent returns to EastEnders with appearances in late January 2002 for three episodes filmed in Spain, a spin-off special episode titled Perfectly Frank in September 2003, and a final comeback for a few episodes in December 2005. He can't, he just can't escape Frank, can he? He loves him so much. Or, or maybe we couldn't. During an appearance on the Paul O'Grady show that month, Reed conveyed his disinterest in any future reappearances in EastEnders. The subsequent year, he declined another offer to return to the series. And they would have kept going back to him because he was such a popular character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he obviously felt then enough was enough. Mm-hmm. He'd done it as much as he could. And even the times he went back, so it was the demanding filming schedules that made him leave in the first place. But even though he went back, he only went back for a few short episodes mm-hmm. at a time. Mm-hmm. By that point, Reed had entered a semi-retired phase from the entertainment industry, residing in a villa in Spain. He returned to acting in early 2007, marked by appearances in two episodes of the enduring ITV police drama The Bill. Oh, The Bill, we've got yeah, to do an episode we've got to do a bill. bill. We keep saying it, don't we? In this role, he portrayed a character of corrupt businessman Brian Stevens, representing his final appearance on broadcast television at that time. I don't remember that. Do you remember no, him in The Bill? I, I think I'd stopped watching The Bill. The, yeah. the Bill did get a bit strange after a while. It got a little bit too much. Yeah. Kind of went away from its original roots. Mm. So despite Mike Reed's semi-retired status, he participated in the reality series for an ITV titled The Baron before his passing. Initially uncertain about airing, the programme eventually debuted on the 24th of April 2008, with Reed emerging as the ultimate winner. Following the departure of other contestants, including Malcolm McLaren, Reed secured the title of Baron of Troop. Although a genuine and hereditary barony, it bestowed no additional privileges beyond the use of the title itself. Reed also completed filming for the independent British film Jack Says, portraying a gangster known as The Governor. So Reed passed away in Marbella in Spain on 29th of July 2007 at the age of 67. He was just 67. 67, I know. A heavy smoker, he was suspected to have suffered a heart attack. Interestingly, a mere two weeks before his demise, he had undergone a comprehensive medical examination, receiving a clean bill of health. Mm. The EastEnders episode on 30th July paid tribute to him with a dedication following the closing credits. So he'd gone in, was given a clean bill of health, and then two weeks later died of a heart attack. That's worrying, isn't it? Yeah, it's really sad. He was in Marbella, which means at least he was... Well, he'd done a bit more of his semi-retirement. Yeah, he'd have to hope that he. Yeah, okay. So you'd have to hope that his last few years and months were happier. 
And he probably felt happy if he'd been given a full bill of health. And as tragic as it is, yeah. I think after his son died, I think yeah. he'd been carrying that weight with him for so many years. Yeah, yeah. The funeral service for Reed took place on Tuesday the 14th of August 2007 at Little Eastern Parish Church in Essex and drew over 250 attendees, including his former EastEnders co-stars such as Pam St. Clement, who of course played Pat, Sid Owen, Ricky, okay. Okay. Michael Greco, June Brown, wonderful June Brown, uh, yeah. Barbara Windsor, Sophie Lawrence, Bobby Davro and other members of the EastEnders cast. His body was cremated in the subsequent day at the Chelmsford Crematorium with his ashes interred in the graveyard of St. Mary the Virgin Church at Little Eastern Essex. All of Reed's former co-stars from EastEnders were granted the day of work to attend his funeral and pay their respects to the beloved actor. That's nice. So he had a good send-off. So as we draw the curtains on this podcast episode, we reflect on the extraordinary career of the legendary Mike Reed. A consumer entertainer, Reed left an incredible mark on the world of show business, captivating audiences with his humour and memorable performances. From his early days as a bit of a villain, to his career as a successful comedian, to his iconic role as Frank Butcher on EastEnders, Reed's journey was as varied as any I've ever heard of. Hmm. Mike Reed's enduring legacy extends beyond the glitz and the glamour of the entertainment industry. In the face of personal tragedies, including the loss of his son and his granddaughter, Reed exhibited remarkable resilience. His ability to channel his grief into his work and continue to bring joy to audiences reflects his strength of character. While Reed's contributions to television, comedy and music are etched in history, it's essential to remember the man behind the characters. His warmth, wit and genuine passion for connecting with people endeared him to fans around the world. As we say farewell to this episode, let's celebrate Mike Reed's enduring impact, cherishing the laughter he shared. Thank you for joining us on this journey through the life of the incomparable Mike Reed. That was good. I like that. It's so funny because you see him as Frank Butcher. That's all I would sort of remember. I know he was the comedian as well, but what I'm fascinated by is the the stuff in the 60s. He was a proper boy, a bit of a chap. Yeah, yeah. And it's so fascinating to me how he sort of had that start and potentially know how we talk about people that go down that route and can't get out out of that gang world. He did. But I think it and was it, that moment when Shirley walked into the court with the pillow under her. Yeah. I think that was the moment he realised he, ha- he had to. That was the turning point for him. Yes. So it was yeah. after that that he then decided to try out some of the other stuff and he ended up doing a lot of the stunt work, but yes. also the stand-up comedy. comedy. So we go on cruise ships and things yeah. like that. And that's yeah. where it really opened up for him. Yeah. So a very interesting man with a very interesting life and, and a life mm. he certainly seemed to live to the full. Yeah. And as oh, you definitely. say, he enjoyed those last years in, in Spain, playing golf most days with his family, which is yeah. what he really wanted to be, uh, yeah. to do. Yeah. And you have to say you'd take that, wouldn't you? So that's all from us this week. We do hope you've enjoyed the episode and recounting the life of Mike Reed or Frank Butcher. <laughs> the bow tie scene, I think, goes down in EastEnders folklore yeah. in history, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to have you back with us. And we look forward to bringing you more podcasts throughout 2024. But until then, talk talk to to the hands. hands.